Imagine studying an LSAT curriculum designed just for you. This is LSAT Boss. LSAT Boss the Class is an advanced learner-centered curriculum available now on Teachable. It's to be completed at your own pace and processing speed, and it's designed and taught by me, Shauna Ginsberg, the founder of Ginsberg Advanced Tutoring and the host of the LSAT Boss podcast. Our curriculum includes lessons that build towards an advanced understanding of logical reasoning, reading comprehension, and analytical reasoning, homework assignments that require you to master concepts before moving on to the next one, strategies that teach you the economics behind test day decision making, especially when stuck between two answer choices, and anxiety management techniques that teach you how to regain your mental clarity under timed pressure. I'm bringing you the entire curriculum in a set of 33 interactive videos, a convenient and affordable online format that you can use to study anywhere. So what are you waiting for? Get started today at Ginsburg-Advanced-Tutoring.Teachable.com. That's Ginsburg-Advanced-Tutoring.Teachable.com. Hi, welcome to LSAT Boss. I'm your host, Shauna Ginsburg. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about logical reasoning. Now, the logical reasoning section, as we mentioned in the very first episode, is one of three different types of sections you're going to see on test day. The logical reasoning itself comprises two of the four scored sections on the exam. Each of the logical reasoning sections is between 25 and 26 questions long, so you can expect to see 50 logical reasoning questions on test day, plus or minus one or two. There's a total of about 101 questions that are scored on test day, so this gives you an idea of how significant it is to really focus on logical reasoning and why, as a tutor, I always start with logical reasoning when I'm working with my students. The logical reasoning section itself is made up of 14 different types of questions, and today I'm going to talk about those different types we're going to talk about the frequency per section, meaning how frequently you're going to see these question types in one of the, one of the logical reasoning sections. And then I'm also going to introduce you to the question stem language, which is the question language that will indicate to you what type of question it is. I recommend as you listen to this lesson to just take it all in at first, and then if you'd like, you can come back, listen to it again, and develop flashcards with the question stem language so that you can really retain the information that you're listening to today. We also will be providing notes from today's lesson that you can purchase at our website, ginsburgadvancedtutoring.com. So let's talk about them. The first question type, we call it identify the conclusion or conclusion questions. You'll see one or two of these in each section of logical reasoning. So you can expect to see a total of two to four overall on your entire exam. The question language will read something like, which one of the following most accurately states the overall conclusion drawn in the argument? Or, which of the following is the most accurate rendering of the main conclusion? You can take particular note here that the language of the question stem not only has the word conclusion, but also a word that indicates you're looking for either the overall or main conclusion, which suggests that there might be some other conclusion in the argument, but it's not the overall one. For example, if I said, every time I study hard, I do well on my test, 
and my mom takes me to Disney World. Thus, since I studied hard, I will do well on my test. Therefore, my mother will take me to Disney World. That therefore my mother will take me to Disney World conclusion was the overall conclusion because it was the one at the very end of the line of reasoning. The second question type, we call it the point at issue questions. Some people call it agree, disagree questions. What you can see from the title here is that there is a debate. And in fact, these types of questions have two distinct speakers who are in fact debating with one another. You'll see one or two of these in each logical reasoning section. The question stem language will read, the author's statements commit them to disagreeing on whether dot dot dot. Or you might see something like, which of the following is a point of disagreement between author A and author B? Now, there could also be a point of agreement. And so those question stems, they could also just read, you know, the author's statements commit to them agreeing on whether. Or which of the following is a point of agreement between author A and author B? So that's the second question type, point at issue questions. Question type number three, we call them role or identify the role questions. You'll see one or two of these in each logical reasoning section. The question stems will read, the point that, and this is just an example, the point that company X spent money relocating parts of its new automobile is offered in the argument as dot, dot, dot. Now, that question stem indicates that there's a point that's being identified. That's exact phrasing from the argument. And your job is to determine the role that it plays. Why is it offered in the argument? For example, is it offered as premise, like evidence? Is it offered as the conclusion? And we're going to be digging deeper in that lesson with identification, proper identification of premises and conclusions. The fourth question type is similar to role. It's like the cousin of role. It's reasoning questions. Some tutoring companies will treat role and reasoning questions the same. My company treats it differently because identifying the role means you're saying, is this a premise? Is this a conclusion? Or is it a synonym of premise or conclusion? Meaning, is the role that the phrase or point is playing, is it intended to be the premise or conclusion? That's different than reasoning questions that ask, how are all the premises and conclusions pieced together in a form of logical reasoning, whether it be sequentially, analogically, or via a data sampling argument where you're reaching an overall conclusion based on a small sample. Those types of reasoning questions will have very small question stems that read something like, the critic's response to the professor's argument, dot, 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 or the argument proceeds by, dot, 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 or the argument does which of the following. Those are reasoning questions. You'll see one or two of them in each logical reasoning section. The next question type is one of my favorites. We call them resolve, explain questions. Resolve, explain. And there's a slash between resolve and explain. What that means is there's a two-part process involved. You have to resolve a discrepancy between two things that are coexisting or are happening in some sort of simultaneous or correlative way. And your job is to explain the correlation or the puzzle. 
The question stem will read, which one of the following, if true, most helps to explain dot dot dot. Or it'll read, each of the following, if true, helps to explain the findings except dot dot dot. Now that second question stem option means that there are four answer choices that will resolve the discrepancy and one of them will not. So accept questions are a little bit more challenging, but considering that resolve explain questions are like puzzles or riddles to crack, it's a little bit easier to crack these puzzles given that the answer or the solution to the puzzle is sitting in one of the answer choices and only one of them will resolve it. The sixth question type, we call them evaluate questions. You'll only see one of these I think we jumped past resolve explain with the frequency. You'll see two resolve explains, sometimes even three in a logical reasoning section. Evaluate questions, though, you'll only see one, if at all. They're very rare. They'll read like, which of the following would be most useful to know in evaluating an argument? And the keyword there is useful. So it's not about strengthening or weakening an argument. It's just about, hey, if you knew this additional information, would it be easier for you to evaluate the conclusion to see whether or not it's resting on a strong foundation? So those are evaluate questions. Now we start to get into the more high frequency question types. The next one is the principle questions. Principle, which is kind of like a rule of law. Principle questions, you'll see three or four of them. So these are the kinds that you really want to make sure you can do well because, you know, a, a fundamental mistake in a principle question means that you could be getting up to three or four questions wrong in a section or up to six to eight wrong in an entire test, which could be really critical. I mean, six to eight raw points is the difference in three or, three or four actual LSAT points. So when we find fundamental mistakes in any of these question types, we really want to fix them because that's going to kind of exponentially increase our LSAT score if we just spot that pattern weakness and can resolve it. Principle questions will read like, which one of the following principles is best illustrated by the study described above? Or which one of the following most closely conforms to the principle illustrated above? Or which one of the following principles, if valid, most helps to justify the argument, or each of the following is consistent with the principle expressed above, except. So there's a bunch of different types of question stems with principles. We end up teaching them using three different types of methodologies because some of the questions will ask you to develop the principle, which would be in the answer choice. Some of them provide a principle and an application or a scenario where the principle is in play, but there are missing components of the principle, and then the answer choice will be a justification that further supports a principle being applied in a particular scenario. And we'll talk about that more in our principle lesson. The eighth question type are called assumptions. Now, many test companies break this into necessary assumptions and sufficient assumptions, our methodology happens to be quite similar with both, and so we're grouping these together for purposes of introducing assumptions to you. You'll see three or even five assumption questions on a logical reasoning section, which means you could see even nine on test day. It's very critical to 
to tackle assumption questions accurately, especially because the foundational strategy for the assumption questions is the same for strengthen and weakening questions. So being able to handle assumption questions is very important. Assumption questions, if they're sufficient assumption questions, they'll read like, the conclusion is most strongly supported by the reasoning and the argument if which one of the following is assumed. Note the word assumed in there. It might also read which one of the following if assumed enables the conclusion to be properly drawn. And then finally, the argument's conclusion can be properly inferred if which one of the following is assumed. These are all examples of sufficient assumption question stems because they enable or allow the conclusion to follow, but as we will see as different language with a necessary assumption, sufficient assumptions don't say need or required the way that necessary assumption questions do. Necessary assumption questions will read which one of the following is an assumption on which the argument depends. Notice how depends and needs and requires could be used synonymously here, right? Which one of the following is an assumption on which the argument requires? Or which one of the following is an assumption, I should say, which one of the following is an assumption that the argument requires? Or which one of the following is an assumption that is needed by the argument? All of those would be necessary assumptions. Now, I kind of already previewed that weaken and strengthen questions are going to be our next question types. You'll see two or four weakening questions. You'll see two or three strengthen questions. Weakening questions will read which one of the following, if true, most seriously weakens the argument, or which one of the following, if true, most seriously calls into question the conclusion. And the opposite of those would be strengthening questions, which would read which one of the following, if true, most strengthens the argument, or which one of the following, if true, provides the most support for the argument. Whether you're weakening or strengthening, you're adding premises that are going to end up causing the conclusion to either fall apart or stand much stronger. <clears throat> Question type number 11 are inference questions. You'll see three or five in a section. Inference questions will read something like, if the statements above are true, which one of the following must be true? Or which one of the following is most strongly supported by the information above? Now let's stop here for a moment. It sounds like I just said a strengthening question, but note the difference in the language. Strengthening questions will say which one of the following, as in which one of the following answer choices, most strengthens the argument. Whereas inference questions read which one of the following is most strongly supported by the information above, meaning inferences are where the arguments would lead to, but strengthening questions ask, what could I insert into the argument to make the conclusion stronger? Inferences might also read, of the following, which one most logically completes the argument? Which again has that same idea that the argument is leading to this necessary, unstated, never seen before conclusion, because that's what an inference is. It's a conclusion that necessarily follows from evidence and logical reasoning. We're almost to the end. We have three more. The question type we're going to talk about next is flaw questions. You'll see three or five of those. We don't want to confuse them with weakened questions. 
Week in question said, which one of the following, if true, most seriously calls into question the conclusion? But flawed questions will read, the reasoning in the argument is flawed in that the argument dot, dot, dot. Or which one of the following most accurately describes the error in reasoning? Or the argument is most vulnerable to criticism on the grounds that? Or a questionable technique used in the council member's argument is that of dot, dot, dot. Obviously, not every question is about a council member. You can see that that's a particular scenario that we're talking about there. How are these different than weakened questions? Well, flawed questions I like to think about as identifying that somebody has a cut on their arm, but a weakened question is like pouring salt on it, which, by the way, don't ever do that. That would sting and burn very badly. But see how they're different. A flaw is just identifying what's wrong. Oh, look, you've got a cut. But a weakened argument says, given that you've got a cut on your arm, I'm going to make it worse for you. Not trying to be dark here. It's just a great way to visualize the difference between weekend and flaw questions. Moving on, we have two final question types, but they're both considered parallel question types. The first is parallel the reasoning. It reads, the reasoning in which one of the following is most similar to the reasoning of the argument above. You're paralleling the reasoning of one to the reasoning of an answer choice below, and there will only be one that is paralleling, meaning all the structural components, modifiers, intensifiers, transition words, they're all the same. You'll see about one of those in every section. Generally, people find them the most time-consuming. Some people will skip them. I love them can't wait to teach you how to tackle them. I've got a great mnemonic device to help you remember a really efficient strategy. Finally, the uh, cousin to parallel the reasoning is parallel the flaw. You'll see about one of these. These question types are really similar and you would handle them very similarly. Some of our students will say, well, if you ignore the layers of wrong, you can really tackle these parallel the flaws quite well. The question stem will read, the flawed pattern of reasoning in which one of the following is most closely parallel to that in the argument, or the questionable reasoning in the argument above is most similar in its reasoning to which one of the following. Note that the words flawed and questionable were contained in the question stem, which is how you can tell that they're different than parallel the reasoning. Well, those are the 14 question types. Let's talk about homework. For your homework, what I would recommend that you do is if you've never purchased an official practice test from, e from um, LSAC, you can certainly go to Amazon or to any bookstore and you can purchase a copy of the LSAC Prep Tests Volume 5. Or if you want to save some money, you can actually download a free LSAT that's available. I believe it's Prep Test 64. It's not published in any of the, the published LSAC guides, but you can actually download it. You can also find a few digital LSAT tests that are available at the LSAC website. And if you go there, you can do your homework there. So your homework is to take a look at a full-length logical reasoning section and label each question by its question type. You can certainly head to our website and download the class notes that we'll have available for purchase. 
we'll have a full chart in there of the 14 different question types. So you can print that out or just download it and keep that open while you do your homework so that you can make sure that you're confirming that you've identified the question STEM language correctly as you go. Then you could try it a second time with the next logical reasoning section. So if you're in volume five, you open up prep test 62, do the first logical reasoning section with your notes open, and then do the second logical reasoning section without your notes and see whether or not you can accurately identify the question stems. That brings us to the end of today's lesson. Thank you so much for joining us. Be sure to do your homework, and if you have any questions as you're completing it, feel free to reach out by DMing us at our Instagram page, Ginsburg Advanced. You can email us at hello at ginsburgadvancedtutoring.com, or you can schedule a session with any of our LSAT tutors by heading to our website, www.ginsburgadvancedtutoring.com, and requesting a free phone consult. This has been LSAT Boss. Thanks for joining us.